closing out a season, friends. Uh, our our what? The mini season. Our mini season. Yeah, well, it's season. So, you know, for every season. It's a size matter for seasons. Turn, turn, turn. No. Um, <laughs> there's three our, turns. Our, our seasons are all screwed up from climate change. Yeah. They're changing faster. And turn, 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 there's only three turns, right? We have three episodes in this mini season. It well, we, we talked about Forrest Gump for about three years. So That's, we should have the yeah. lyrics to that song memorized. That was on the soundtrack. <laughs> Who sang uh, that song again? The birds, yeah, in the bees, and it's a, and it's just a. I think it's a folk song or a Bible verse. It's from the Bible. <laughs> from uh, the Bible. The, we're our, we're closing out on the hunt for October. Our dealer's choice season. We're gonna, you know, this is Joe's pick. We're gonna dive into that. Obviously, oh, nice. The, Let's submerge. You d- yep. dive oh, into it. I didn't even think about it. Wow, <laughs> you know, I'm so good. I don't even it does I don't even think about it. It just it comes naturally. You just enter a fugue state with puns. Yes. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about the cast. We're gonna talk about Tom Clancy. We're gonna have to talk about John McTiernan and his. There's a lot of crazy personal lives tied to this movie. A lot of characters. A lot of characters. A lot of lot of lot of a lot of what ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. Yep. <laughs> a lot of what have yous in this movie for sure. So uh, let's jump into it. Shh. Listeners, welcome to an episode of Midnight Boys Present, a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined, as always, by my my uh, my defecting friends. Your subs. Yeah, my subs. <laughs> yeah, the dumb to their subs. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, dude, that that could be a confusion. We're like, oh, I love sub movies. Maybe they think mm. they're talking about your late well, night internet I, documentaries. I'm, I'm on the record as being a little sub boy. Yep. Loves little sub boy. <laughs> this is like a, a who's on first routine right here. <laughs> we are uh, going to talk about the hunt for an October. Um, like I said at the beginning, this is Joe's pick. This is our dealer's choice. We each went through and chose a um, a movie that the other two hadn't seen. And let me tell you, we can get to this at the end. I've had not regret because I enjoyed the movie I, that we talked about, but like I've had all these movies I've thought about since, and I'm like, ah, I should have picked that one. Um, well, we can do this idea again because I, I, I think it was a lot of fun for all of us. Yeah. I don't know about listeners, but you know we've never really thought much about them before. No, no great so, artist no. does. Why start now? Um, so let's jump into it. Let's dive into it. As I said, I can't keep using the same one, but I did. Hunt for October. This is a movie where this is a movie for me, guys. That like the VHS tape is ingrained in my head because oh, I yeah. great the- cover. The poster, too. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I remember it at the video store. Uh, fun fact, the original VHS was red. Oh, really? the tape itself? Yep. Well, I don't cool. know if the tape or the, the – not the actual tape, I think, but the, the – The case. You know, the, the case. Yeah, yeah, the plastic case. Yeah, that rocks. Yeah. I bet that's a collector item. Probably, yeah. But there's, I think there's a big hunt for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so – I, I would absolutely. I'm gonna look for that on eBay. I would absolutely like to. Have, I'm not yeah. like a big like m- like a collector. Memorabilia guy. Yeah, yeah but I, I'd love to have a red kid. Red well, kid. I have John Wayne's pillow, 
this from, ass uh, pillow. This <laughs> ass pillow from the shooter. So the that's shooter. my that's my the white shooters? whale. Yeah. Um, okay, so <laughs> Joe, before we talk about the plot synopsis, which I boy, that's going to be a thing. Tell us why you chose this movie outside of you being, you know, a little sub boy. <laughs> well, th- that is the the chief thing here is I am a little sub boy, and I I love submarines in general. When I was a a little kid, I want that was what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to be, be in a the little sub boy and, and oh, okay. be on like serve on a submarine. Um, I think that they're like of like sort of a- aspects of human technology that fascinate me. Submarines are way up there. I just think it's just an absolutely, it, it still blows my mind that we have those like that. They, they're so big um, that they can, I don't know. It's like, I just think they're so cool. I, I don't need to explain it further than that. Submarines are cool. So I, what we, I, what we do with them in the military are it's not cool, but um, so I agree that submarines are very fascinating and that any movie with a submarine is almost instantly watchable. My thing is that when I see this, all I can think about is how I would immediately have a panic attack in that, <laughs> in that closed space. Oh my and, God. But I think that's part of what makes it such a compelling setting for a movie is that. It oh, yeah, is, it's so claustrophobic. It's claustrophobic and and there's a there literally is no escape, right? But it, it is also traveling and moving, right? So it offers yeah. like the best of both worlds that that you have. It's a lot of depth. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, there's a lot of depth. Sorry, that didn't go down so well. Yeah. Um, you're really God. You're really torpedoing this podcast. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, so it's suboptimal joke. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So it offers it, it provide it, it it's provides a setting where the it can be like a travel film almost, right? And and yeah. and I, and I, and occupy like really one of the grandest spaces on earth is the the ocean, the mighty the mighty seas. I, so I love any movie set at sea, but yeah, a submarine offers that sense of that claustrophobic setting, but also the freedom of movement. Where would you rank this among your submarine movies? Like, how, do you like? Is this your favorite? Do you are you a Das Boot guy? What are the ones am I missing? Das Boot is Das Boot's bet way is bet the best by far. I think. Okay. Um, I I I've that I think is an utterly mind blowing film, I, and I, I would say I've never is, seen it. It is yeah, way up there on my all-time film rankings. Like that's, it probably that's a blind spot my... I've always wanted to. Well, oh, I Joe about... chose the wrong sub. Well, no, so... no, 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 no. I, I actually thought about picking it, but it's like three and a half hours long, and I was like, well. So here's know, a question: Should we guys. see the movie or the TV version? Which it's kind of a scenes of a marriage situation, right? Where there's a... I've only seen the longer because now on the I the. Um, the the Blu-ray release or DVD release, I'm pretty sure you can watch either version. So I think the longer version, I think, is the only one I've seen. Okay, I think um, I'll have to look at that again. But but it, I, from what I've gleaned, either version is mind blowing. It is uh, the so if you guys did you guys find this movie to be claustrophobic? Yes, I did. I imagine that times a hundred. Yeah. Like the 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 combat scenes are so much more compelling in Dust Boot. Uh, it is, it is incredible. I, I would it, I would say it's one it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's incredible. Huh? 
Um, I would say that th- that this movie and Crimson Tide are if you're it would be in my submarine movie starter pack. Okay. <laughs> um, and, 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 and Crimson Tide, I sumped. I don't think I'll ever say is better than this one, but it's one of those where when I do rewatch it, I was like, man, I somehow still forget how good that one is. Because another thing about this movie and Crimson Tide is they both have just unbelievably stacked casts. Like Crimson mm-hmm. Tide has Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington going toe to toe. Like right. that's yeah. as good as it gets in this one. With, uh, I mean, I think Alec Baldwin is as good as he is has ever been in this movie and i think he's the weak point that's we'll amazing. get we, we, yeah, we'll get I, into the, i got some I have, baldwin takes but, i have but fortunately takes like i don't really think alec baldwin is really all that important to this movie because everybody else is so compelling that when he shows up and he's kind of just replacement level like it doesn't yeah really matter. He, in this movie he's an audience surrogate yeah exactly so so like which is Sean, weird given how that franchise went how what direction it took yeah so I, I I picked this one because I thought I knew you guys have seen like the other upper tier John McTiernan movies and love them. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, I, this. So I was like really confident you guys would really like this one too. And then of course my submarine, my subboy fetish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We we kind of hit some. It, this season is a bit of fetishes for all of us with my Western Duff Psycho Two and Joe Submarines. <laughs> Yeah. Um, just dudes, just old du- dudes being old is what it, this uh, season is. And and I, I would say, like, my last point is that, and this is what's missing in movies these days, they should be sweaty. Yeah. Mm. Uh, action thrillers, action movies, thrillers, people by, by the second half of the second act, everyone should be covered in sweat and then get sweatier yeah. and sweatier as it goes. And- and they should be real dudes, like it, all real, these capital R, capital D, real dudes. Dudes <laughs> who look like if you were like that's a he's either a bus driver or a sub commander, you'd be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and I want to, and I want to say that you know, I was going to get into this later, but this movie also knows like this movie is going to be sweaty, and we desperately need to cast the greatest of all the sweaty actors, Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> Yeah. Who looks yeah. he looks like an alien from Men in Black. Like just that's <laughs> melting or something like that. No one has ever been sweatier ever in film than Stellan Skarsgard in this movie. Uh so I I think that I definitely think that he is a contender. I will say, and you'll probably figure out how it's a bit of a cheat, but uh the dearly departed Tom Sizemore, he's quite he's quite a size yeah, a sweaty man. But yeah, he, but that's he, he's going through withdrawals on the set. <laughs> well, right. I was going to say, he, uh, Stellan doesn't have the handicap of uh, horse tranquilizers in him at all times. <laughs> His is just pure craft. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, baseball purists who won't put steroid guys in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's good. So, but yeah, Stellan, uh, he's this. This you, movie you, we have. You're uh, you're like that's why Jim Tomei is better than Mark McGuire because Jim Tomei <laughs> did it naturally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's sweatier. Just so I I kind of made a, a list of just uh, people in this movie, but uh, you'll see where I'm going. So we got a we have a, a murderer, uh, a famous misogynist, a convicted pedophile, a scars guard, and a U.S. senator. Those are all people and, yeah. in this movie. Wow. Uh, yeah. God, you're right. Man, I, the senator thing. I I didn't 
I'm guessing he's listed in the beginning credits and I just didn't notice, but oh man, when Fred Thompson shows up, <laughs> uh, just so he's only in that one scene, right? He, yeah, maybe five, ten minutes, but or no, uh, he's in he's in two he's in a couple scenes. Never mind, you're right. I think he's in two or three. Yeah. Um, who's the murderer? Uh, the cook. Uh, Alec Baldwin. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I oh, yeah. That's incredible. Like about, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought you said convicted murderer, but you said convicted pedophile, uh, and, and that one stings for me. Yeah, Jeffrey Jones because he's the... he's so good, yeah, in, like everything he's in, and it's like yeah. I really wish. And we got famous famous misogynist. Well, Sean he's not Connery. a he wasn't a was he a pedophile or he just said child pornography? Not to dismiss, I, not to I, diminish I, it. Look, like, the you don't touch kids. We should I mean, probably cut this out because it's yeah. sound like I'm. I, I just want to make sure I got the horrible thing he did right. I, I know he had child pornography. I maybe I don't know. Okay, he has, I think he has it. to go door to door, and that's he's a, a he's a convicted sex offender. No, he's a Schwann's man now. He's a Schwann's man. Anyway, that's what Schwann's truck drivers are. They're just pedophiles, and they get paid to go door to door. Well, I got a knock on this door anyway, so I might as well see if they need some ice cream sandwiches. Hi, I'm new to the neighborhood. I'm a convicted uh, sex... Uh, and do you need any frozen meals delivered next week? <laughs> got, got any kids in the house? Need that's ice cream? a new bit of like life lore that I really like, is that all Schwann's delivery guys are sex offenders, and they're just making the best with the cards that they've dealt themselves. It's it's an incredible thing to tell, because people are like, oh, really? Yeah, they'll believe it. They'll be like, oh. Yeah, well, that's kind of like how they're trying to, you know, like lots of you know, companies will be like, you know, we hire ex-military, not to conflate the two, but although sometimes it's the same thing. We can fire, we hire ex-felons. Like, they lean into, like, listen, sex offenders need jobs, too. Yeah, they do. And listen, you, we're already used to hiding from Schwann's delivery guys. So oh my god, there are people that aren't going to be. We're going to put them training. in training. We're going to put them in ridiculous outfits so you can always know which one is a Schwann's. Don't guy. answer the door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, and and if anyone's not going to, you know, get too offended by that, it's going to be a sex offender. They'll be like, all right, well, I, I'm used to that. We're yeah, gonna, we're going to find out someone of our listeners as works at Schwann's corporate or something. <laughs> well, then they could confirm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or so no, maybe, maybe they can neither confirm nor deny in all likelihood. So in addition, we have uh, we also have James Earl Jones just shows up randomly for uh-huh. a few mm-hmm. scenes. Uh, I, 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 like Scott, I, Scott Levine, Levine. I'm not sure. Or no, Scott Glenn. Sorry, Scott, Scott Glenn. Glenn. Scott Glenn and Sam Neill. Sam Neill. Yeah, just you forget Tim Curry. about... Tim Curry. Tim Curry is a bizarre casting choice in this movie. He, well, oh, he's like a little he's like a little weasel and he's yeah. kind of perfect for it, but but you you see Tim Curry and you're like it seems like he should be given more to do. But yes. but then again, like who should he be getting more scenes then? So I'm this is a legitimate question. So Joe, do you know how did Tim Curry come to be in this movie? Like I, I don't a... know. I don't really know any making of stuff. I I was hoping I'd have time to listen to the commentary, and I I didn't. I'm hoping we could find a clue. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I I think that's enough now. Okay. So, so should we try to give a bare bones plot summary? Yes. Um. It's, well, I yeah. I think I could think I could do it pretty easily. Okay, let's do um, it, Joe. So Sean Connery plays a uh, Soviet uh, sub sub commander sub captain. And he is sort of disgruntled, uh, and at the one-year anniversary of his wife um, uh, dying, he leaves Russia, um, 
sailing into the Atlantic, and in and it is his intention to defect to the United States. Now, so the central tension of the film is that um, the Americans don't know that he is defecting, and the and he sends a letter to Moscow informing them that he's going to defect. So the whole Russian fleet, Soviet fleet, uh, basically deploys. And this is at the tail. Well, the, the book was written kind of in the what. Mid eighty four ish, I think. Eighty four, yeah. So right in like sort of Reagan Cold War era stuff and mm-hmm. uh, era, and uh, so they all the Americans can see is that the Russian Navy has been deployed. Meanwhile, in uh, an American sub detects it and then loses it when it deploys a revolutionary new silent drive that allows it to move virtually silently. Fortunately, this American sub has the greatest. Um, like radar guy Courtney um, Vance, yeah, um, the, the the best sonar operator on the planet, and he figures out a way to detect it, and they're able to figure out where it is going and follow it. Meanwhile, Alec Baldwin plays the plays Jack Ryan, who's been in a bunch of movies. If you haven't seen this one, I would say the average person has probably seen at least one Jack Ryan thing, right? Yeah, it's been in yeah, so, so many big. This movie movies. was a hit. This too, movie yeah. was a hit. The Harrison Ford ones were hits. Like yeah, you've probably yeah. seen this or Patriot Games or um, Clear and Present Danger if you're kind of our age, or maybe you've seen the that Amazon show. I never watched it. It Looks awful. Um, <laughs> with Jim and, with Jim Halpert. So basically, the central. I guess all you really need to know is like the central tension of this movie is that this Soviet commander and and his officer group. They're the only ones who know. Intend to defect. Mm-hmm. But the American government doesn't know that. I mean, and no the one Soviet really government knows that. doesn't want to admit it. Right. So this could potentially result in the destruction of the sub or the start of World War III. But fortunately, Jack Ryan is like the smartest dude in the world, and he's somehow able to, to surmise and figure out that Sean Connery's character is defecting, and then it, it goes from there. Um, I would say anything further than that. Um, right. If we try to explain it in words, we'll sound extremely stupid, and it's too complicated. So if what I just told you sounds cool, and my initial word that this movie's awesome wasn't enough, then um, watch it, and you'll figure <laughs> out the rest. And if that all sounds stupid, then, I don't know, you're probably not going to like it. You know, um, I thought of something when I was watching this movie, and it was a friend of ours, uh, friend Andy, who is a wonderful man, but also has some of the most insane movie takes of any person I've ever met. Uh, I was watching um, Last Mohicans with him once. I love Last Mohicans. And he kept talking about how there's a lot of meetings in that movie. He's like, oh, great, another meeting. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I kept thinking that when I was watching this movie. I was like, oh, God. Oh, there's another meeting they have to have because there's so many meetings in this movie. I guess. I mean, yeah, it's a uh, lot of someone will come into the a Russians room. are meeting. Yeah. The Americans are meeting. Jack Ryan just has a full schedule going from meeting to meeting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't. So I don't. Think I, I don't, for, I, I don't they never last very long. No, I know. I know they're not like long meetings, but it's like it's like his his outlook is full. His outlook calendar is full. <laughs> he is going from place to place, meeting to meeting. He's gotten – I bet you he's not even getting lunch. Well, I mean, he's he never sleeping. Be, yeah, yeah, he has to be he's told not sleeping. to sleep. They're not scheduling – they're scheduling over his lunch. They're not providing lunch. We never see him eat. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of meetings for, for our guy, Jack Ryan. I mean, he, 
he figured stuff out. He has to talk to a lot of different people. Yeah, a lot of meetings. Right? I mean, he, he gets to America. He meets with James Earl Jones. Then they bring him to another meeting immediately afterwards. Yeah. And he then... <laughs> he, he and is, he owns a guy. He yeah. owns a guy. And then they have a they have one of the you know when when you're in a meeting and then afterwards like can you stick around after the meeting I'd like to meet. <laughs> yeah. but, the, but that but like the the whole stick around after a meeting there, yeah. there's the 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 ceiling is high, and the floor is low. Right. And there's yeah. no in between. No. You so, either dominated or you are about to be fired. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the uh, what's interesting in this movie is that. Uh, Jack Ryan's basically like a pencil pusher dork. He's like he's like a consultant, isn't he? He's just an analyst. Essentially until the end. Yeah. 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 And, and in and in Jack Ryan lore, like that is basically largely what he is. Like he doesn't even it's not like he's like a this movie he's a he went to mil, uh the Naval Academy, right? Yeah, cuz there's the in, story in the about book, how he, he didn't. had to learn to walk. Yeah, in the book he didn't. In huh. the book he was like uh, like an investment guy and stuff like that, and then he joins. He becomes a consultant for the CIA. Have you read the books? I re- I, re- I read this when I was a kid. I read tons of Tom Clancy stuff when I was in like fifth, sixth grade. Okay, so I don't yeah. remember the book super well, but I I kind of skimmed the Jack Ryan Wikipedia page, which is robust. Let me tell you. Well, um, God I bless. Bet, the I bet there's that... a lot of fan fiction too about Jack Ryan. Well, there's like a million books because Tom Clancy in his last couple years started having people co-write them, and then after he died, more books came out. Okay. So and then and then in addition to all the movies. So, so to me, so... I I guess I hadn't really put it together. I hadn't thought about how he starts off as like kind of just office jockey Alec Baldwin, and then you get you know kind of like a little bit past his prime Harrison Ford like towards the tail end of it like Air and, Force One era Harrison yeah. Ford when he's and starting that, to play like old dudes right a little bit but like, then somehow he's still making movies now yeah well. <laughs> in between crashing planes yeah well um and but now it's like morphed you know like well I forgot that there was a Chris Pine Jack Ryan movie and yeah I knew when I typed the evolution of of Jack Ryan you guys would see Chris Pine and be like oh my god I've what was, Everyone what was that one? That. I don't remember. It, isn't Costner in that too? Uh, oh, Shadow Jack? Recruit. It's literally called yeah. Jack Ryan yeah, Shadow it Recruit. Didn't, it yeah. didn't do well. Huh. Um, and then, as mentioned, there. yeah, now there's that show on Amazon, which looks very action-oriented. I haven't seen it. Uh, and then he's he's like an operator, capital O, in that show. Like, I've seen, you know, I think I was, uh, why did I watch some of it? I had so, no choice. I was in a, like captive you... in some place, and I like, had to watch. <laughs> He's it. like I a can't... Jim Croce operator. <laughs> like I, I uh, no, I was like, I was like, it was like a, a Clockwork Orange situation where it was like, on. you're at a car dealer or something like that. I don't, or... I don't remember. Yeah, but it's an Amazon show, so I can't understand why I would. Well, be in that. So here, here's the thing, Joe is you're you're a dad now, and it just happens, and you don't realize it. Like yeah. it's like all of a sudden, like. Right. Uh, how how have I seen all this Tom Clancy stuff? I don't I don't remember seeking that out. Well, yeah. the 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 John Krasinski like one of the things that just kind of like made me snap and my brain explode was like when he's promoting that he was talking about all that was like so, sort of soon after I think Trump said something crappy about the CIA or something like that or people perceived that he disrespected them. 
Yeah. Which, like, I don't know, that's maybe one of the only cool things that Trump did then, if he did do that. Um, and then he, then, like, Krasinski went on, like, was promoting the show and talking about how wonderful CIA people are. And I was like, come on, man. So, <laughs> so Joe, here is why this is is pretty amazing to me, is that these this movie and the Tom Clancy books are just as, like, jingoistic as possible. Oh, this dude is... That man is an insane reactionary. Um, it, it's a movie where, like, the CIA and the military are the, like, no shades of gray good guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay, I would say the only shade of gray is that, as they do, like, a lot of the military guys just want to blow it up. They would just want to... Like in the the meeting with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, they are like, "All right, let's do World War Three. Mm-hmm. So I, I suppose, meeting. I suppose, if you're going to say that in in any way critiques the military mindset, is it does critique the like shoot first kind of mentality that a lot of people mm-hmm. and higher ups have. But but yeah, the the politics of this movie by and large are I have nothing in common with them. But here's the thing, mm-hmm. subs, it's a movie. Yeah, yeah. So I it's- don't care. It's it's a war movie. It's got a bunch of cool people. It's it's well done. Yeah, I was a big fan. Um, there, we I have some critiques, but overall, yeah, this was delightful. Yeah, it's not perfect, but I I think it's really good, and I think it it's we need more John McTiernan's. Yeah. Yes, like, I would agree with that. Like, like I mean, it, like they just I, I know we do this all the time, and it's boring, but like they just don't make them like this anymore (laughs) they don't so so here here is and this goes back to my point about this is a movie full of regular dudes um but what i like is that uh, i'm putting i'm slotting this movie in the apollo 13 category of these dudes aren't gimmicky they don't you know like if this movie were made today they would make sure that like all these just average guys who are like doing their job like they They'd have quips and like one would be really dumb and like oh one would be the, really... the sonar operator character would be going quip crazy. Yeah, all they're... this movie does is give him like funny glasses. Yeah, he has ladies. That's glasses. a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. He, they, you're right. They they aren't like they aren't they, quipping. There's like, not. He'd be wearing like a Hawaiian shirt for some reason. Yes, and like yes, cracking and he, jokes all the time. And it, yeah, he'd be like. Uh, it would be like that Josh Whedonified dialogue. Right, and that's would, exactly it. Yeah, and this is just dudes talking to other dudes like they're adults, and yes. knowing and knowing that they understand what's going on, and that that really for me is they don't make them like this anymore. Yeah, so let's. I, I I've I've, you know, I I'd like to hear more about what you, what you guys think of it because obviously everyone already knows where I stand. Uh, I I thought I know you cr- kind of just did Duff, but Rob hasn't. Yeah, yeah, Rob should go. Yeah, I, I submarine movies in general. I realized when watching it, I was like, I don't know what submarine movies. I haven't seen Crimson Tide. I haven't seen Das Boot. I haven't seen this. Um, so like, I was watching. I was like, man, I don't, I don't really, um, I don't really know submarine movies. I agree with like, I think McTiernan. Uh, I think he directs this very well. Like they're in a submarine. It's got it's claustrophobic. I enjoy, I enjoy the Sean Connery and. Um, Sam Neill stuff, and I enjoy the um, the Scott Glenn stuff. I was like all the Jack Ryan stuff. Oh yeah, that's the worst meh. part. No, <laughs> like, I'm just like, yeah. oh, this guy. Come Baldwin, on, it, he just doesn't have it. Well, he doesn't weird. have it. So here's what it is: 
has he ever had it in anything maybe beetlejuice but that's so there was this weird era where it was america decided that alec baldwin was going to be an action guy and it's so like remember uh was it the shadow like yes i saw it in the movie theater for a brief period it's like yeah he's going to be an action star it's like why what are you bald the only thing baldwin is good at is playing just slimy cynical yeah. Uh, all, comically like awful 30 dude. rock or like 30 um, rock or, or glenn gary glenn ross or his role in the aviator where he's just like oh yeah yeah and that or the departed kind of but i yes. find his accent to be not great but i cannot criticize accents and then boy and then defend this, this movie so yeah. never mind i opened up a problem here so i don't think we need to say anything i don't care to be clear yeah i don't care so here here is what i do care about is that there's just wild inconsistency with a lot of the russians and accents like it like sam neill sounds different from sean connery who sounds different from tim curry it's It's a big country it is a (laughs) (laughs) like there are times that i had to stop to remind myself they're russian i'm like oh it's tim curry on a british sub yeah, my my take on that is who cares. I, I I've but but I, I I I get why it bugs some people, I guess. But it just doesn't bother me at all. I've I never been bothered care. by that kind of thing. Like I just never. I mean, to me, yeah, it's just it's just I don't care. I don't even. So, I mean, it, ha- it has to be comically bad for me to notice. Like people uh, criticize Leonardo DiCaprio for that. It's like that dude's so bad at accents. It's like I just I I guess. You're and saying it, and I guess I agree, but I don't care. So, when you're just a movie star, like I'm just watching a movie star. Yeah, do Sean movie Connery. Star things, it's just it's Sean I Connery. Yeah. I want him to talk so, like that. Here, so here, here is my critique of this. That is, uh, in a way, a compliment. I actually wanted more because at times this felt very rushed. Hmm. Um, such as you know the whole sequence where Baldwin uh, jumps off the helicopter onto the boat and also in the end when there's um kind of all of a sudden sean connery is shot and then uh baldwin goes off and takes care of the cook or whatever and then all of a sudden he has connery with him and the cook at the end too it's like who's this guy yeah (laughs) oh that guy well to be fair like it is hinted at throughout the movie that the sabotage is occurring Right. So it isn't right. totally out of nowhere, but, but yeah. No, I mean, the sabotage itself occurring is out of nowhere, but the fact but that it's like... did you expect it to be like Tim Curry or something like that? Right. I mean, so did the first time I saw it, I expected I thought it was going to be a major character. Um, the other thing that I... One, so now I will say uh, this is a compliment that I think... I don't know if it's intentional, but I think adds to it, is for maybe the first part of the movie, I didn't know who Sean Connery was telling the truth to about defecting. I didn't know if he was a reliable narrator, but mm. I thought maybe he was um, playing both sides. And so I, by the end, I'm like, okay, he's obviously actually defecting, but uh, uh, you know, again, I don't know if that was intentional, but I, I liked that. I thought yeah, I did too. It. Another I thing I too. liked is how they, they transitioned. So in the beginning, all the, the Soviets are speaking Russian and I love the way that McTiernan decides to just be like, first of all, it's a brilliant decision. Like, all right, just for realism, we'll have them speaking Russian in the beginning, but we're not going to do this the whole movie. Right. We yeah. don't need to do that. So in the scene when the political officer is about to get absolutely owned by Sean Connery, which is yep. also cool as hell. Because he, he slipped on his tee. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
What a, can you imagine? How, if how you, hilarious is this phone call? There's been a horrible accident. <laughs> can you imagine? Matt, I mean, we're very good friends. Would you believe me? No. If I called you and I was like, God, I need your help. I've been, yeah, uh, they just uh, slipped on their tea and slipped. broke their neck. Oh, that thi- that classic thing. Yeah. The classic tea slip. Who also, hasn't slipped on their tea in the kitchen yeah. before? Also, to, to add just even more layers to it, this guy has at one point probably gone to Russian military school and like done incredible physical feats. And it's like, oh, you slipped on his tea. Okay, yeah. but uh, let me let me provide a, a counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, from everything I've read, I don't think this that is culturally insensitive. Russians no. are usually drunk while they're working, mm. so it might have just been assumed like, well, he's probably hammered. When they yeah. said tea, they didn't really mean tea. <laughs> that so, kind of thing. Yeah. So, so what they do is like while he's talking, they like McTiernan does this like zoom into his mouth, and then it stops, and then he starts starts speaking English, and then it zooms back out, and then for just the rest of the movie, they're speaking English, or and and some of them are occasionally speaking in a Russian accent of some kind. Some are not. Um, and I was just like, I, I like how the movie. Like, I guess it. Is it? It's a breaking the third wallish a little, sort of acknowledging it's. I don't know. I don't. No, I don't. I, I, I think. Don't, I, I think, think this, it's a neat I, way to do it. I just. It's, it's also it's, like this is a blockbuster, right? Like, so it's like, hey, yeah, okay, like, yep, they're speaking Russian. You got it. Yeah. Move on. Yeah, it's right. cool. Um, little Sean Connery, uh, little t- thing for you. Did you know that he insisted on having a ponytail in this movie? I think no. I think you had told us that before. Yeah, like, I think he insisted that's... on having a ponytail, and John McTiernan's like, "Well, it's Sean Connery, so you can't really say no to him." And then, like, I think Sean Connery, like a day or two into shooting, like realized everyone was making fun of him, and then <laughs> then he pretended it's his idea to like get rid of it. I think, good choice. Uh, he probably should not have had a ponytail in this movie. What What year do you was it? Seventies? You think ponytails were at their height for men? Oh boy, good question. What do you think was like the big ponytail? Well, nineties was like a certain type of guy. Yeah, have some ponytails and and yeah, sixties, seventies, and then skipping out of the nineties, it kind of came back. Yeah, like hippies kind of put it in ponytail, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like the nineties, like the hacky sack guy, could have it again. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's why I was wondering, like, is nineteen ninety? Like, but I don't. We think We were texting about Beavis and Butthead, but like the old, like hippieish teacher has a ponytail in that show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, that's the type of 90s guy that would have a ponytail is, like, the yeah. teacher and Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, kind of, like, hippie burnout guys. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they weren't old enough to be hippies, but they, like, think right, they right. like the idea of being hippies, so they wore, like, those, I don't know what that hooded, that hooded sweatshirt is called, but, you know. The oh, hip, hemp. The hemp ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was still, even in early on when we were in college, you could, you'd see a lot of guys like that in the yeah. late, in the early 2000s, even. Connery yeah. finally did get his ponytail in uh, Medicine Man, I think. Which well, is another the McTiernan. Next McTiernan movie, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so McTiernan was like, all right, this one, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was a deal. Listen, we got this Medicine Man movie I was going to make. Then you can have it. Yeah, but now... Okay. You can have your silly ponytail on that one. Oh, yeah. It's really, really funny. I, I, and it never connected to me, but you're right. He does have one in Medicine I didn't know that was a McTiernan. I guess I missed that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Um, That's kind of when his career went south a little bit because then he followed this up with the Medicine Man, and then Last Action Hero. Neither of them did well. Um, and, <laughs> and, then, and then, but 
Medicine Man spun off to have Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, and that was yes. a big hit. So, yeah, absolutely. Then, then John McTiernan made the career transition to doing crimes. Okay, well, let's... Well, he had Die Hard with a Vengeance, so he saw that. But anyways, we'll talk more about McTiernan later. Um, yeah. So I guess just talking about the... Let's, let's get our last general topic out of the way here. So this movie came out in 1992, right? 90. 90. 90, yeah. 90. So I was trying to think of another banger Cold War movie that came out after it that was also um, Set made during, during the, Cold the Cold War. War. And the Cold War ended in, what, 91 or 92? Uh, I mean, the, the co- yeah, 91 is whenever Yelston came in. I think that's the common, like, okay, the U- that's when the USSR... So I didn't go month by month, but is this the last great Cold War movie that was actually made during the Cold War? I couldn't huh. think of one after it, but maybe I missed one. Yeah, I don't know, because even, like, Terminator 2 has that line where John Connor's like, isn't Russia our friend now, or whatever? Yeah. Uh, yeah, right? so, like, it either, I mean, 91 would be the only other year, right? And you said Terminator yeah. 2. Um, boy, I think. Like, a movie I that's think... explicitly about, like, the tension between the United States and Russia. Just, yeah. About, right. Like, this is a straight-up Cold War movie. Right? I mean. I think you're right. This is probably the last one. That or um, uh, King Ralph. <laughs> uh, the third the third rambo movie was late 80s yeah that was uh, after I mean, it was before this that yeah. one and that one is uh he goes to afghanistan on that one and uh helps them out uh, that one jfk no uh, no that's, I I mean, that's after but that's, i wouldn't really consider that a cold i mean war it's movie. it occurs oh. during the cold war but like it's not like I, but, no I, but I think it's a lot. Oh. Okay. It, but it does. Uh, it has a lot of Cuba stuff in it. Yeah. I guess it does. I, have, I guess I'll accept it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It All right. Have, JFK. It, it, it has Stone's paranoid, you know, Russia stuff in there. Yep. All right. That's a good. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So maybe JFK is the last one then. Yeah. Because I came out in 91. So yeah. look, at, look at me. Good I pull. provided something useful. Yeah. Literally, the action movie comes out. Okay. So let's go. Let's even go wilder on that. Uh, I use the, uh, the internet machine. Mm-hmm. And I asked, when did the Cold War end to get an exact date? And it said December 26, 1991. JFK came out in December 20th, 1991. Oh, uh, just beat it. Wow. Yeah. I think that was the last Cold War movie. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, How about that? again, yeah, the last Cold War movie made and released right, right. during the Cold during War. During the Cold War, yes. Yeah, and like, you know, lots of Cold War retrospective movies were made. But yeah, yeah okay. Continue to be made. I'll allow it. Yep. Uh, and then from that, then Tom Brokaw uh, conjured up the greatest generation, and it's been World War II the rest of our lives. We'll just hear about that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. That's Tom Brokaw's fault. I mean, it kind of is. Is that really like a take? I, I never, I never heard I, that. I don't know. Like, don't you remember he wrote those dumb greatest generation books? Yes, was, I absolutely remember it. And it was around. To be fair, it was also Rob's around dad. the time of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, so. Saving Private Ryan really, really, yeah. really, I feel like, is the one that really shot World War II up into being <laughs> everything yeah. since. Um, do we... Where do we want to go next on this? Well, I guess, do you guys have any more thoughts on the movie just in general? If not, I, I know no, where we can go next. I, again, highly enjoyable. I, I do think it could... I've, Honest, it's weird because it could be maybe a miniseries or something. Um, but yeah, it was very entertaining. 
So I guess this would just be a quick hitter, and then we'll move kind of more outside the movie. Like out of like, and this movie's just stacked with character actors. Mm-hmm. It just who who do you think like stands out the mo- like in in a movie full of great performers? Like who were you kind of most excited when they popped up on the screen? Like who do you Sam Neill? Sam Neill, yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, I I was joking, but I, Fred Thompson has. <laughs> I mean, you have such a weird thing with Fred Thompson. <laughs> Fred Thompson. So Fred Fred Thompson reminds me of like Joe Don Baker as just yes, kind of yeah, he, very similar. He just has this like authoritative Southern vibe where like, you know, I mean, it's too bad he was such a awful person in real life in yeah. his like political views, but he. I think he's a great character actor. As plus, uh, sorry, especially at playing either. Uh, military guys and or scumbags sometimes both I, I just have Sam Neill on the list because he's a guy who I know because of Jurassic Park we all know Sam Neill but I actually haven't seen that many movies where Sam Neill's a star in it but whenever I do I'm like oh man he's so good he's awesome yeah, I I agree he's awesome Rob you should put uh, John Carpenter's uh, in the mouth of madness. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, I need to that. see that. And the other movie that I didn't realize he's in that I've had on my list to watch forever is that Possession movie. Oh, oh yes, yeah, 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 you definitely need to check that out. So um, those are two Sam Neill blind spots for me. But yeah, he's great. Joe, what was, was it for you? Like, I mean, I know you know this movie well, but who's the person? You're, I mean, Jeffrey Jones is that your on yours? I'm uh, Scott Glenn. I think yeah is the guy that does it because he's. I, I just think he's the most compelling and most believable in not that anyone isn't believable per se, but just like, that's a dude. That's a real capital R dude, capital D like, like a yeah. real dude. Like I absolutely believe could command a submarine. Like yeah. he's just perfect in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then Skarsgård, like just incredible. Like I, I want my, and he kind of is like the villain of the film, but I don't think any of it is his fault, right? No, <laughs> I don't think so at all. Like, it's not his fault at all. He but thinks he, Connery went rogue. Yeah, right? like he, yeah. he's just doing his job, but like he, you can't help but like kind of make the movie as him. Like he plays like the Russian sub commander who's trying to sink the Red October, and Sean Connery absolutely owns him with the help of Jack Ryan and uh, and Scott Glenn. And uh, uh, Bart Man- Mancuso, I guess, is his character's name. But Skarsgård's just, just I haven't slept in five days, and it is ninety nine degrees in my submarine. Yeah, Skarsgård has awesome. the like I was at the casino all night, <laughs> all the time. Right. Uh, so I, I thought of the last thing, and the, uh, the Skarsgård prompted this. That my last thought about this movie, and I guess submarines in general, is I think it is. Se- uh, it is fascinating that uh, I don't know. To me, that just seems like the most terrifying, cramped. Just I feel like it takes a very bizarre type of person who would be able to stand that. Yeah. And well, and the thing is, and then so you have you take these people who are probably I mean let's I'm gonna say off in some way to begin with. And then you give them the most powerful weapons on Earth. Yes. And you put them in the ocean, just where there's no windows, and all they see is other people just like them. That that dynamic is just 
kind of bone chilling when I really think about it. It, it, so, is, it, it is amazing what they do. I have stayed overnight in the submarine before. Yeah, I've been in the submarine that you stayed in as a yeah. kid, but I have not slept overnight. Yeah. So the uh, the USS Cobia, I believe, um, C-O-B-I-A, is a World War II submarine that is uh, docked uh, in Manitowoc. And um, when my son was younger, he was in Cub Scouts, and there was this like optional night to go up to Manitowoc and stay the night in the sub. And I talked to some other dads because uh, my son was very young. He was like the you know first den that you'd be in. And uh, they were like, oh, yeah, it's a thing you do one time. You don't do it multiple times. And I was like, really? You're staying in a sub? Seems cool. It was awful. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm 6'2", and I had a bunk that was in the torpedo room. And like even crawling up into it. And laying down, like, if I put my hand on my, like, like straight, like, my hand on my forehead, it would touch the ceiling. It was that close. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that made it bad is, like, obviously the bathrooms weren't operational uh, oh. in there. So to use the bathroom, you'd have to, like, go up these stairs, which obviously these stairs did not exist in the submarine, but they did for, like, this museum. So I was sleeping right next to these stairs, and this is in the winter, that these stairs would go up, and then they'd open up the door on top of the submarine, and then you'd have to go into the actual maritime museum in order to actually use the bathroom. And I was sleeping, I don't know, 18 inches from that. <laughs> so you're, like, in the hotel room next to the elevator? Yeah. And so anyone who stayed that night on that submarine, which was, like, you know, 40 people, whenever someone had to use the bathroom, they would climb up these stairs that were 16 inches, these metal stairs that were 16 inches from my head, and then open this door, and just cold February air would blow in. This sounds awful on so many levels. It was so – it was an ultimate, like, my son – and my son doesn't even remember this anymore because he's so young, and I'm just like, man, this was a real – a real dad moment of doing this and the whole time being like, this was – I'm not doing this again. That sounds like being put in a coffin. It was – it was tough, man. I mean, it was cool doing like a, the tour of this of the sub, and like it's cool that it exists. It's cool that you can even do this, and they allow this for like Cub Scouts and stuff. But oh boy, it is. I mean, I can't imagine being. I mean, good thing people were shorter in World War II because I just don't understand uh, how people could could just and that that was one night like imagine you know back to your guys point you're just gonna spend a few months in here yeah i mean to be fair they do come up for air but yeah like there could be days on end where and that's another thing what is the bathroom situation on an actual sub yeah i read someone um there is a magazine article that does a kind of a deep dive into daily life in so a your, sub. your sub boy magazine um it is okay <laughs> Um, you guys keep talking. I will Google. I'll try. You're gonna to Google this—the bathroom thing. Um, well, it does. It discusses that. It also you share beds on those things. Like you sleep in shifts. So oh you, my god, you're not sleeping in a bed with a guy, but like right. you're. Um, you're but you're the, the one perk that I remember is that on submarines you don't have to wear like the military issue, like dress shoes or boots or anything because they'd be too loud. 
So you get to wear sneakers on a on a submarine well, that's if nice. you're serving on there. So you at least get comfortable shoes because yeah, they're the, quiet. That's like the first of like uh, companies being like, you can wear whatever. It's casual day yeah. every day. Or you can wear okay. your pajamas. We're a little, we don't do things by the book here. Yeah. Uh, you can, I mean, you want to wear some Nikes? Go ahead. Yeah. You, you want to come to work in your pajamas as long as you work 60 hours a week? We don't care. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. Always... It was. Um, it's it's a Business Insider article, um, which like, oh, hold on, this is not. This seems to be a listicle abomination of what I actually read. Never mind. <laughs> okay, I'll keep looking. Uh, yeah, just like you said. Like I imagine every time. Obviously, you're working a lot of the time, but every time you move around, just you bump into something, clang, and just everyone looks at you. But that gets old real fast. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it would be cool. It, like I said, it would be cool to. I'm glad I got to say a night and one. I I got to say I tried it, but boy, I mean, it was. And it would have been way better if the door wasn't opening and it wasn't winter and there weren't giant metal so steps. When, like you know, when the door closes, is are there no windows? No. Ab- no, absolutely not. I <laughs> I would just flip the f out and i was like you're like sleeping in these like torpedo bays so like you've got a torpedo and then you've got like beds like underneath and above them so there's just like a torpedo i mean it's not an active torpedo obviously but yeah that was slept in the torpedo room it's wild um real wild uh so unless joe found something maybe we should uh move on yeah um i'll, uh, I'll if i can find it we'll add in the show notes but a, I'll probably forget, and B, I probably won't find so, it. But I did read one. So we, I, I think I alluded that uh, John McTiernan decided to go full time with his criminal uh-huh. career. Oh yeah, a quick aside I'll make about the bathroom thing. Dust Boot uh, does a good job of showing what it's. Uh, I remember seeing Dust Boot after I read this article. Dust Boot is accurate in the bathroom situation. So if you guys okay. watch that movie, there you go. Okay. Das head when you use the bathroom. So let's, uh, yeah, let's talk. You want to talk McTiernan? Let's just give a little overview of. Uh, yeah, you guys know the McTiernan story better than I well, remember I, it. I don't. There's some tax fraud, but the one thing I, my memory was jogged with, with this, just hilarious for many reasons. It, so John McTiernan had a, his career waned a little bit in the 90s. Like he didn't have anything that was as big a hit. Uh, he, and he had then, like he had Die Hard with a Vengeance was his yeah, last. That was moderate hit. Yeah, I think it was more than moderate. Yeah. So but. yeah, that was. But then by the end of the nineties, he so he was uh, slated to work on the uh, remake of Rollerball. Uh, with, yeah, I haven't uh, seen yeah. that. Have you? Guys? I haven't I, seen the original either. So, to be honest. so what I was thinking with that one is like, man, LL Cool J in the early two thousands was just like in every director's like my career is dying movie. Like he's yeah. John yeah. Carpenter's uh, Mars movie, Ghost yep. of Mars. He's mm-hmm. a rollerball. Uh, there's probably more too, but um, I, okay, yeah, he was he was everywhere. Uh, so McTiernan. Oh somehow... no, Ice Cube is in Ghost of Mars. Oh, that's right. Shoot, my bad. Racist. Well, now yeah, delete racist. all that. Well, I'm yeah. racist. All right, got me. Uh, so McTiernan uh, was somehow got roped in. I don't know if it was a passion project or what, but he was working on Rollerball. And he was afraid that the produ- his producer had a different <laughs> vision for the remake of Rollerball. Uh, so John McTiernan hired a private investigator oh, that's right. to snoop on this guy. Um, he hired... Wiretapped uh, him, right? 
Yes, it, because it was illegal. Like it's it's legal to hire a private eye, but he did some did some illegal things. Uh, and um, Anthony Pella, uh, I gotta find it now. Pelicano. Pelicano. Yes. So he hired that guy, and yeah, that was that was the first of his crimes. And the best part is like he was kind of gonna get off but with a plea agreement but then he continued to do wiretap crimes dur- <laughs> during the plea deal yeah That's... yeah because you can't then get off like i didn't know i couldn't wiretap yeah, you, i didn't know you, you kind of like what the de- what you do there is you'd be like my bad i will plead guilty and say i was wrong in exchange for you know like a lesser charge right uh but what he mctiernan's uh move was like i'm going to continue lying and I'm also going to wiretap more people. <laughs> and he did that classic move that always works of he uh, fired his lawyer and withdrew his guilty plea and got a new lawyer uh, and said that he had not had the best representation before. Uh, but that was denied by the judge who then sent him to jail and fined him. Incredible. Uh, but I find the concept of this guy's vision of rollerball is not jiving with me. I'm going to hire this. Holly- <laughs> it's really funny. I'm going to hire this, like, and this guy's like an old school, like Eddie Mannix fixer guy. Like this is like, you know, when your starlet needs an abortion or something and you got to take her away. Like this is the dude you call and just rollerball guys. That is wild. With starring, um, Chris, Chris Evan, or no, not Chris, Chris not O'Donnell, Chris, Chris, Chris Klein, O'Donnell. Chris Klein. Chris, oh God, another Chris O'Donnell. What another, happened to like, Chris O'Donnell? He's Chris on Klein. a CB. You know what? Isn't he on a show with LL Cool J? Um, Chris, Klein. I don't know. <laughs> no, Chris, Chris O'Donnell. You oh, said. really? Yeah, I didn't know that. There's no way to know. No way to know. So yeah, John Mc- yeah. So the- Joe, Joe, and then what's the is is it income taxes that he kind of fled the country for a while? Uh, yeah. So then he then he moved on to just having a lot of problems with his ex wife and the IRS. I mean, he He's owed got three ex wives. Mm. Well, yeah, I guess I should specify. I don't remember which one, but yeah, um, he uh, had some money issues and. He decided after getting out of jail, he's going to tangle with the IRS. And then basically, um, after that was all settled, like he was like, I, I'm, I'll make more movies. I want to do it, but no one wants to hire me. And it's like, well, you, you did you, you did illegally wiretap a producer of a major Hollywood film that you're trying yeah, to make. Yeah, you burned so some bridges, bro. I feel like it maybe is natural that they're a little hesitant to hide, uh, hire you. And he's got to be in his 70s. He's younger than you'd think. Yeah. Like yeah, he's only when, 72. Yeah, given when his like big movies came out, it's like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he had a run, man. Predator Die Hard, Hunt for October. I mean, his influence is still felt. Yeah. All over the place. Oh, just, I mean, I, so I mentioned this off air when I said I was picking this movie, but there are very, very few directors uh, that – have a, a three movie run as good as Predator, Die Hard, and Hunt for Red October, in my opinion. Like, yeah. And you also have like, you know, there is like a McTiernan tree a little bit too of people who he influenced or, you know, went on to do stuff with um Oh John uh, DeBont? Yeah. Our friend yeah, John, John DeBont. DeBont did the cinematography for this one. He did a great job. Yeah. Uh and then uh who's and Shane Black and Predator. Yes. Yeah. Um uh, 
you know. So, yeah, uh, interesting guy. Interesting guy. Like I said, this cast is full of people. Uh, this production is full of people with uh, who made some mistakes. Well, <laughs> made some mistakes in their lives. Here's what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. John McTiernan made um, he made Predator, Die Hard, uh-huh. and The Hunt for Red October. So how about we just let him cook? Yeah. That producer and, should have let him do whatever he wants. And Predator who cares was if not, he made The 13th Warrior? He was and gonna, Predator I, was not about Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Last Action Hero is a banger. Yeah, we talked about Last yeah, Action Hero. I, I know think, we did. We? But like, yeah. And Die Hard with a Vengeance is the best Die Hard movie other than the first one, too. I would agree with easily. that. I mean, it's Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Bruce Willis running around. Doing, doing bombs. Doing bombs. Trying to stop bomb banter. pranks. Yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, all right. So we also have, and we mentioned Alec Baldwin. He shot someone. Um, we've got Jeffrey Jones and the and the the bads he did. Uh, we've got um, Fred Thompson, who's a senator, former senator. Uh, and presidential we have candidate. John McTiernan, and now we got Tom Clancy, who, you know, we talk about, like, in movies, there's always, like, the publishing industry, right? Like, the big, the, the, the pub, like, in the 80s and 90s, everyone works in the publishing industry. But we did, like, this was a time, too, when, like, Tom Clancy has, like, an entire... It's an industry, uh, dude. Industry of video games and movies and shows and books and this whole thing is the video game franchise still going? I don't really hear about it as yes. much. Yes, I don't know. Yeah, that the, yeah, like Call of Duty games, like Call the of Rainbow Duty Six kind of... is still going. Rainbow yeah. Six games are still going. Mm. Uh, and actually, I don't know. I mean, Call of Duty. Sorry, that's not Tom Clancy. No, it's Rainbow, Rainbow Six, Six and what is Splinter Cell? Splinter Cell. Splinter Cell is not going anymore. Is Counter Strike also? Uh, no, Counter Strike is not him. Okay. Counter Strike was a mod based off of no. Counter Strike was is not him. Counter Strike, I, mean, I believe, was a mod based off Half Life that turned into its yes, own thing. Yes, you're right. You're right about that. Okay. Um, so, so, but it, you know, it is wild how much leverage he got from video games just by slapping his name on them. Yeah, he kind of like John Madden, right? Like, yeah. I don't like after a while. Like, I don't know if either of them ever even. I think John Madden had a little bit to do with the, the video games initially. I don't know a whole lot about the John Madden history. I never. Uh, looked into that but like yeah throwing their names on these things like he he made he must have made so much money oh ghost recon too i forgot to mention ghost recon oh, yeah. games are still being made too so he um yeah i mean weird for just it, it it's i guess maybe and maybe this is the point you're trying to make like it's wild that just a dude that wrote books right impact culture in that way not with his books Entirely. Well, with his books too. Though. I mean, like his right. like yeah. his books were big. I mean, he's an like I mentioned that he's an airport book guy. Like yeah, like John Grisham, right? Like yes, the, the, he's and the, he's in the same era as John Grisham too. Yeah. So yep. like and Michael Crichton, like those yep. three guys. Yep, and always Stephen King. But like, I mean, that but is. But like... Stephen King's different because his books are actually really good. Um, yeah, I guess I've I haven't. I'm read. just saying, like those Michael are Crichton's the books, books especially in the '90s. Those are the books at the airport shop. I mean, the last thing I could think of for like a book and an author that like influenced so much and like the last, I mean, I mean, there are examples, right? There's a Twilight series and Harry Potter and stuff, but like the Da Vinci Code books, 
for like that airport book sort of thing yeah. that then creates yeah. the entire thing. But but the thing you know, is, there's only Dan Brown didn't create like a bunch of like put his name on a bunch of there video are... games. And... I didn't yeah. even realize how many Tom Clancy movies have been adapted till I started going through them. Like I, you know, it's one of those things you think you know, but then you look, it's like, oh yeah, some of all fears. Oh yeah, that's a Jack Ryan movie. Like, right. It. Yeah. There are a lot, and that's why I thought of Stephen King because. God, I should have looked it up, but I wonder. Tom Clancy has to be like one of the most adapted authors. Uh, you think so? When you think just I, movies, I would, I would venture that. Well, Shakespeare like, in- is number one. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm not trying to be a, a jerk. And then there, Stephen but. King, number two. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Tom uh, or John Grisham probably is on there. And then who's the guy? Uh, is John Grisham more than Tom Clancy? I don't know I that he is. So. I, I think know. so. And then. Uh, Michael Crichton would be higher than him too, I would think. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, probably. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah, and he. I don't. I didn't know as much about his personal life and his views before diving into him. And boy, he's. Oh, <laughs> Nicholas Sparks would be another one, guys. Real quick. Oh God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, you bringing him up? We're recording this the day that Cormac McCarthy died, and that's like one of the number one things I think about Nicholas Sparks is that he thought he Cormac McCarthy sucked, hmm. and it's oh, like, didn't. oh God, you're that's like that's a take, for, that's, like a, okay, that take A is just stupid, and then B, you're Nicholas Sparks, um, right? So anyway, I found sorry. out uh, two fun facts about uh, Tom Clancy's books. Okay. And so he was one of only three authors ever to sell two million copies on the first printing in the 90s. So who do you think the other two were? In the 90s? Yeah. J.K. Rowling? She's no, that one of been them. In the 90- oh, really? It was in the 90s. Okay. Um, John Grisham. Not John Grisham. Uh, Crichton, the I would trust- assume, is the other one. Crichton, yeah. And he should have gone with Grisham. It was, oh. So it was uh, Clancy, Grisham, and J.K. Rowling. I never did that in the 90s? Wow. This is what it says. Uh, And then the other fact that I found kind of amazing, uh, Clear and Present Danger was the number one best-selling novel of the 80s. Wow. No way. Really? I mean, you can... can, I believe you, but it's just like, wow. You can have it out in in WikiTalk. No, I'm not doubting you. I'm just stunned That's crazy. I wouldn't have thought that. Huh. I mean that would maybe explain a little bit too. Okay, so like maybe explains a little bit like why Hunt for October was one of the biggest movies of the nineties, like nineteen ninety. Like it was like number four or five in box office, right? I mean, part of it is it's got a cast and stuff, but like there was a desire for Tom Clancy stuff too. So I'm looking oh, wow. at an archive by that. Um, an archive Washington Post uh, item, and uh, yeah, it looks looks like clear and ple- present danger. Uh, the other really big ones of the 80s, uh, It, Tommyknockers, uh, Clear and Present Danger, Planes of Passage. God, this this says to what a different era it was. They're like novelizations of movies, like Return of the Jedi and right. E.T. E. the Extraterrestrial. Um, yeah, Tom Clancy, well, he's gone now. I don't know who has his money, but it must be a lot. So what did okay? So let's talk about Tom Clancy, Airport Book King. We mentioned. Um, we talked about the video games. There are some things I don't know. I remember this a little bit, a little bit. Duff, I'm sure you know more. Maybe Joe. I don't know the Minnesota Vikings thing. Yeah. So he was a part owner of the Orioles. 
Mm-hmm. And okay. at, when he died, was that like 10 years ago or so? Something like that. I think it was 10 years ago. They like wore a patch for Tom Clancy for that season. Really? I don't know if it was the whole season, but they wore a patch for him for a while. Yeah. And I he he tried to buy, he tried to be part of an ownership group to buy the Vikings. Yes. Which, that's a really fun counterfactual. Like, what if Tom Clancy had owned the Minnesota Vikings? And, you know, talk about who, you know, kind of funny, uh, not so much crime, but like a weird reason that, you know, that we didn't slide into this door, like you said. Uh, so he submitted the winning bid for the Vikings. Oh, my God. In just ni- read about why he didn't in get In 1998. Oh, my God. And, and that at time, it was $200 million. But the deal, they didn't accept it because they were afraid he was going to get cleaned out by his ex-wife in the divorce. Yes. Yeah. A Amazing. divorcement settlement cost. Oh, so, my God. So if it weren't for that lady... We, you know, and who knows what happens from there, like you said. Uh, so he, there was, a, there were also rumors he was going to move the team, but that's the classic, you know, build me I a mean, that would have been else. before the love boat. Maybe the love boat doesn't happen if this, Tom Clancy's this on. This was pre love boat. I yep. mean, <laughs> you know, it never, it never gets sold to Red McCombs and then to our present Wario ass owner, uh, Ziggy. <laughs> Vikings love boat. Yeah. So, oh. so this man. Like, weirdly, many of the big selling authors, like, um, a reactionary psycho, and but in a like kind of like a, a, a quaint, dated way, where when you look mm-hmm. at like his views, it's like, oh, how quaint, you know, like compared yeah. to like what reactionaries are like now. Like, one, uh, he said, like, basically, and I think he said this in a few different interviews. Wikipedia has one of them, but I've seen him say this a few times. Like, the only thing, the only group you're still allowed to discriminate in America against are Catholics, which is very funny. Yeah. Um, a very funny thing to say. Um, you can't hate, I, the, you can't hate black people anymore. You can't hate homosexuals anymore, but you can hate all the Catholics you want. That was his quote? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, I'm not not sure about that, sir. But thank you. <laughs> We've um, heard far worse, uh, and and we're saying that as we have a Catholic president right now, so we do have the benefit of hindsight, I suppose. Our second yes. one, right? Um. And then yeah, uh, also, one. and this is this is more of the, on the quaint side. He was one of those uh, like anti-Japan guys. Like Japan's gonna take over the world. Like that's a real oh like nineties that... thing. Like Crichton yeah. had uh, what Red Sun Rising? Is that yes. the name of that book? The that got turned into that's a Sean Connery property too, right? Right. That he yeah. did with um, Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Was that is it Red Sun Rising? Is that the name of it? So I read it Sun. and Rising Sun. But yeah, yeah, Rising Sun. Thank you. So that I kind of I I frequently forget that that was a big '90s thing. Like I, like Japan's economy is going to eclipse ours. We need mm-hmm. to watch out for Japan, which mm-hmm. in hindsight is hilarious. It I had totally forgotten about that angle, especially in pop culture. But it was for a brief period everywhere. And I mean the the one example I can think of is in the Back to the Future sequels. Like, there are jokes about, like, oh, the Japanese are our bosses and control us. And then in part three, like, there's a joke about, like, the old Doc Brown's like, oh, this, this that's why it failed. It came from Japan. And Marty's like, all the best stuff is from Japan, Doc. Like, it is, yeah. What a weird slice of history. Yeah, yeah. Forgotten for yeah, the best. Totally, I guess, but like but, yeah. I, I, I do have like living memory of it though. I, I would Me too. You guys sued as well. Like, 
Like that was a thing. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's hilarious and cuz like no one thinks about that anymore. No. And their their ex-president got killed by a homemade shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> remember remember when our president threw up on the Japanese prime minister? Yeah. Yes. And remember when a different ex-president fed fish with him and he just dumped the whole thing in? Uh, I guess maybe you're supposed to do. I thought some people were saying like he actually did it right. It was but still it was very still funny. funny. Yeah. We the same president that got shot with a homemade shot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He did. Yeah. I know. I know. Um what about what is this net force thing, guys? So uh in in just reading about Tom Clancy, I saw Again, like just this guy had an entire library of things, and one of them was um, uh, he co wrote a series of books called Netforce. And Netforce is exactly what you think it is, guys. Is it, it an is, internet army? It is, it is someone told Tom Clancy about the internet. <laughs> oh, beautiful. And, and so it's just, you know, imagine. Imagine just all these like CIA good guy cliches, but you know, it's like cyber cops or something. And so it's, it was its own series of books. Um, I believe there was a YA spinoff. There was a brief ABC series and there was an actual movie. I'm just looking at the cast right now of the movie and oh Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I don't know. This this is one I don't know much about. Okay. Um, Scott Bakula. Oh my! Oh no! Nice. Chris, Chris, Chris Christopherson. How did he get tricked into being in this? Judge Reinhold, <laughs> Brian Dennehy, mm-hmm. and CCH Pounder. Yeah, are all in this movie. So, it, just like an incredibly ill-received franchise that was just created out of sheer will, because Frank Vincent too. <laughs> yeah, Billy Bats is in it. So, Billy Bats. <laughs> so I, I looked at you know I looked at the synopsis for the TV series, and again, it is mainly exactly what you think it is. It's just like Tom Clancy Mad Libs throwing the word internet now and again. Yeah. Um, but my favorite one uh, is this is the one I'll read is called uh, Breaking. This is Point. an episode. Yes, this is an okay. episode of Netforce. It's called Breaking Point. Uh, Someone named Morrison, another great scientist, uses extremely low frequencies to turn large groups of people mad so they start attacking each other. <laughs> the Chinese are prepared to pay $400 million for this info, and Morrison is prepared to deal. He hires Ventura, an assassin-turned-bodyguard, to protect him. Wow. I think that was, uh, might have been a two-parter, but just insane amount of like old dudes kind of aware of what the internet is and just turned it into just minted money i guess well if we ever decide to revisit made for tv yeah um I, I, are the, you kind of regretting that you didn't pick this one i'm glad you didn't because it's over three hours it's over three hours long but yeah um, man so the last thing i wanted to say about uh netforce is that mm-hmm. the co-writer of these is quite the fellow uh just just yeah i don't know this guy Um, oh boy uh, his name is steve uh peisnik i'm not sure how to pronounce it it's a very polish sounding name um but this is a dude who has been on Infowars many times 
Pochnik. 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 He is described in Wikipedia as a psychiatrist, author, publisher, and conspiracy theorist, former consultant of the U.S. Department of State. Wow. He, okay. He is a September 11th and Sandy Hook shooter false flag guy. Oh, no. Jesus Christ. Uh, the Sandy Hook thing, man. Especially. Yep. Like, wow. Uh, uh, interestingly, he was dis, uh, he was stripped of his license to practice psychology because in 1992, he told Newsday that they, his they looked at, oh, sorry, sorry. His, in his opinion, George W, George H.W. Bush was clinically depressed wow. and they Nick. said that, that he was brought up on <laughs> ethics charges because you're not supposed to cast judgment on, pa- on non-patients. That's because he knew the people that helped George H.W. Bush kill Kennedy. Yeah. And so he's so he's like he must be sad about so, it. So uh, I'm also I, I'm gonna the, put his website in here. Joe, you will love this guy. So these these are the type of people that Tom Clancy kept in his inner circle. Oh, Tom Clancy was absolutely insane. And this website, <laughs> Rob, you're gonna love it. Look at this layout. Every uh, every oh insane right wing website. They're looks all the like same. This. They yeah. all look yeah. like this. Yeah. yeah. He it is, he, bu- it, he bought the Drudge Report template. I, he's uh, like, my find, favorite... the, find the blurriest picture of me in a Hawaiian shirt you can find <laughs> put on the front of it. <laughs> my favorite thing on looking at his Wikipedia is it says uh, when he appeared on InfoWars, he claimed that the Trump administration had permitted the Democratic Party to engage in election fraud as a sting operation facilitated by, you ready for this quote? <laughs> QFS blockchain encryption code on every ballot. Hey, uh, can you guys just... That's really funny. Can you take a look at the non now available? Do you say anything funny um, on on that side? Now yeah, available. Yeah. It's uh, four books. Oh, one at one my, with an, a wonderful deal. Uh, my, uh, my life, life is, great, is great. So why do I why do I feel so awful? Markdown from thirty dollars to zero dollars. <laughs> how nice of them. It's the you book can't... that dares to ask, "What do women really want?" <laughs> Wait, I didn't expect that subtitle. <laughs> So I think that's a great segue. I that's okay. I recently did amazing. Um, I recently found a few cases of these hardbound books in mint condition. I will sign and dedicate. I'm offering these books free while they last. You just pay shipping and handling. How much do you think shipping is? Five bucks. I bet it's five hundred dollars. I have added it to my cart. Um, fifteen dollars. Oh, come okay. On. I mean, it's an autograph, I, though. You know, I guess the autographs <laughs> by the creator, of, the co-creator of Netforce. Um, well, I think that that book title is a great segue, Joe, for our next season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. So, so, um, two thirds of us are forty. <laughs> I'm turning it. By the time those episodes release, I'll yeah, probably I was gonna say, who knows? Maybe by the time they're done, I think we'll get the first. Some, I'm sure. Yeah. I think we'll get most of them out before your birthday. But and then, uh, yeah, in September, uh, uh, our little baby boy Rob turns forty as well. <laughs> so we're doing midlife crisis movies. Oh uh, boy, for our next season. Um, and I, I just hope that in the spirit of this podcast, like we've always been, just very emotionally transparent. Oh, about gosh. our feelings right mm-hmm. so like this is our chance to talk about films that tackle you know that that middle-aged the fear and uh maybe we can sort of create something yeah. that um sort of 
for our middle-aged listeners and others who are approaching that, uh, maybe we can learn learn some things lift about them ourselves up. and others and, and lift them up. Um, mm-hmm. The problem is I would imagine all the movies that we pick will be about handling it in the worst ways possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> movies about someone aging gracefully don't sound very entertaining. <laughs> yeah. So the yeah. movies we've already discussed are about, you'll not be surprised about uh, characters are not handling it well. Yeah. Uh, so it should yeah. be a good time. I'm really excited to, to do that. Um, and We started I th- discussing movies, and we have a list of like a 75, so it seems <laughs> like we could do the season f- idea until we're out of middle age. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Uh, and and I think it it will definitely allow us to do what we do best, it, and that is not talk about the movie. Exactly. <laughs> yep. 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 Absolutely. Uh, speaking of movies and talking about them, if you uh, want more content, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/TheMidnightBoys, and you can get more. Do you know how many guys we have? Forty-four a paid podcast episodes for two dollars. You could pay two dollars, and you have access I, I, I'm to doing forty-four. The, the... I'm doing the McConaughey body language to that. We got to bump those numbers up, guys. Come on. Tell your friends. <laughs> those are rookie numbers. 44, 44 heroes. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. no question about them. But, t- you know, we need to get into triple digits. I'm no, no, sure no. I, I mean, we have 44. No, no, no. We have, no, we have, we no, that's the number of patrons. That's the number of episodes we have that you could pay $2 oh. and you'll have access oh. to 44 episodes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's going to be more. incredible. We're never oh, going to yeah. stop. This is our midlife crisis. Yeah. <laughs> We're hooked. Yeah. Uh, or uh, we'll just find some books that we found that were pretty cheap, and uh, you can pay shipping and handling, and we'll sign them and mail them to you. <laughs> we're we're going to, in a in a meth binge, write 18 different books, mm-hmm. sign them, and you can get mm-hmm. them for $30 shipped to you. Mm-hmm. Great deal. That's your Great shipping. Great deal. And by shipping, we're going to... Oh, pers- and handling. No, and handling. That's important to note. That means yeah. one of us will drive it to your house at 2 to 4 in the morning. And after <laughs> delivery, we're going to strip the copper wiring out of your house. <laughs> and take your catalytic converter from your car. <laughs> yeah. That means you won't be able to go to Half Price Books to sell our book. To you try can to trust us. You can trust us to give us your address. Um <laughs> All right. Well, on I that hope the note, NetForce doesn't get after us for this this crime we're gonna do. I know NetForce or Schwann's is maybe they're the <laughs> we're same. We're gonna deliver. Uh, yeah, if we delivered in a Schwann's truck, then you know things have gone awry. Because <laughs> not just anyone could get a sh- job at Schwann's. Wink, wink. You know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> okay. On that note, uh, it's been fun doing the guilty pleasure. Not guilty pleasure. Jesus, I'm broken. Dealer's choice. Dealer's choice season. I'm sure we'll add more to these. Oh, and yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, next episode, you know, we'll be doing midlife crisis, and we have a special. Like it's a, you know, it's an exciting numbered episode for us. So oh, I'm excited for that next uh, next episode. All right. Oh, yum yum yum. No oh, little TCCs. Oh,